0: Welcome back, my spooky friends. This is Chappie, and you're listening to Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. It's been about a week and a half since my last podcast about the police and creepy stories. Um, thank you for your patience as I get back into the swing of things. Um, today, I've procured quite a few scary stories submitted by listeners like you, and let me tell you, they're creepy. All right, without further ado, let's get right into them. All right, our first story comes from a submitted story called The House. I have some spooky stories to share, but I'm not sure if they're spooky enough. They happened in my house, especially in my bedroom. The most memorable one is that when I was about to go to bed, as I was putting my head on the pillow and closed my eyes, I could hear noises and not just any noises. These were clamoring noises as if they were invisible villagers were having a feast right there in my house. Sounded very merry. I could even hear some music. I thought it could have been the sound from TV from the neighbors. And then as I was nearly falling asleep, Suddenly, a voice of a man sounded very scruffy, rough, and husky, shouted, Oi! at my ears. I was so surprised, I immediately woke up, and I see no one there, and the noises I heard completely disappeared. Was I dreaming? And when I'm alone in my bedroom, especially around midnight, I love to spend my time scrolling through Facebook or browse the net. Sometimes I could feel something is sitting on my bed. I could feel the mattress around me was pressed down and move as if someone is walking on it. I was so scared. I could I could only said prayers in my heart. And then I verbally said, I never bothered you. I wish the same from you. We can share the place and space, but please leave me alone. And I could feel the thing move away from my bed. Until today, I still could feel their presence or energies, but they haven't been bothering me so much, like making noises ever since. But sometimes they'd show themselves, like a glimpse of a shadow running in my house from the tail of my eye, (laughs) from the tail of my eye, from the corner of my eye. In my religion and belief, we believe that we share space with the unseen. And some say, that they are elves that have been living there since before the housing area was developed. What do you think? Ooh, very cool. Very cool story. I do think I need to do an episode on elves. I do think those are fascinating. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a typical uh, homegrown story um, that's basically like what we're used to hearing. Um, nothing too crazy, but... You know, crazy enough. You know, there's, you know, pressure on your bed. You see the indentations on your bed. You tell it, you know, like, you're welcome to stay, but leave me alone. And then they do. So it's good that you have your boundaries. All right. Let's see what's up next on the agenda. Do, do, do. All right, this one is a legend. The legend of the Dark Watchers of California. From about a villa beach through San Luis Obispo, and all the way up to Monterey, runs the Santa Lucia Mountains. Lurking within these mountains are the strange and mystifying Dark Watchers. The Dark Watchers, or group of mysterious dark human-like creatures, who stand on hills, ridges, and peaks of Sandalusia Mountains. As they have come to be known, are apparently giant human-like phantoms that are only seen at twilight. Mostly, they are seen standing silhouetted against the night sky along the ridges and peaks of the mountain range. They seem to be some sort of spirits. When spotted, the beings are usually seen staring off into open air of the mountains seemingly at nothing in particular, before vanishing into thin air, occasionally right before the spectator's eyes. Who or what the watchers are, no one knows. Where they came from or why they are here, again, lost in speculation. And what they are looking for or watching is beyond anyone's current comprehension. The Shumas Indians, sorry if I ruined that name, Chumash. chumash it's spelled like chumash indians first spoke of them in legends and their cave painters drew them in their colorful wall drawings later legendary author john Steinbach described them in his short story flight pepe looked up to the top of the next dry withered ridge he saw a dark form against the sky A man's figure standing on top of a rock and he glanced away quickly not to appear curious when a moment later he looked up again and the figure was gone also in 1937 the poet Robinson Jeffers mentioned them in his poem such counsels you gave to me as forms that look human but certainly are not human if Jeffers and Steinbeck ever actually saw one of the watchers is unknown But the local legend has been around since long before they wrote about it. In the mid-60s, a Monterey Peninsula local who was the past principal of a local high school saw them while hiking in the mountains. He had enough time to study the dark figure, to see its clothing, and notice how the figure was strangely studying the mountains. When the principal called out to his fellow hikers, the figure disappeared. Other more recent sightings have included a dark hat and cape in the description of the mountain-residing phantoms. Very cool. You know, it all starts with something that somebody saw that they cannot explain. That's how these legends come about. But in cases like these, there's so many people seeing the same exact thing that it does beg to wonder. What are the Dark Watchers, and why are they up there? I digress. Let's get into another listener story. This is called A Soldier's Tale. It's a submitted story. This story takes place while I was serving in Afghanistan. We were in a little-known location, or a little location known as Terran Kaut. It was what's known as a ghost FOB at the time basically a location that was originally manned by the Afghan army, but was taken by the Taliban and eventually abandoned. We took the base back and eventually made it our own to help take the area, which was a huge trade route the locals used to get their goods, and in recent months had been completely stopped due to enemy forces overrunning the area and blocking the routes. Anyway, the night we flew in and were dropped in in on location with a small group of ranger infantrymen, we had a group of 14 guys who were the first set of people to step foot on the base and to do recon so that the next few flights bring more men to take the surrounding area. We took refuge in an old in a little old parking lot that we used sandbags and different things around to build our little area to stay for a few months while we were there. The base used to be manned by an Australian army group that had gotten overrun and still had buildings they had built up for their soldiers to stay. We called this place Zombie Land because it looked like as if an apocalypse had happened there. Well me and four guys decided we would go clear it out and check all the building to make sure there were no enemies hiding in the buildings or any type of materials we could salvage. It was late, so we were using our NVGs while checking the area. One of our guys tapped me on the shoulder and had signaled he had heard something in, in an area. We split up into two teams, so it was just me and him searching the areas. As we got closer to the group of buildings, we began to hear footsteps, grunts, and other mysterious noises. We slowed down, put our weapons at the ready in case an enemy were to come, And we were going to have to engage in close quarters combat. We finally reached a house where we could clearly hear footsteps and clawing at the door. We began to think maybe there was an animal or something trapped inside the house, so we breached the door and opened it while clearing the area or clearing the room. There was nothing but different languages written on the wall using some type of sharp object. The doors had scratch marks like something you've seen from a movie. They were too big to be a local animal, but also too sharp to be a human. We ended up going through a few more buildings and headed back to our little camp. We decided to keep this to ourselves just because we didn't want to scare the people who were there with us any more than they had been by just the thought of being stuck in the middle of nowhere between mountains in a hot zone in Afghanistan. The days followed, we started to hear started to hear soldiers say they would see someone. Sorry, The days followed, we started to hear soldiers say they would see someone or something moving around and scratching at the doors. It got to the point where no one would want to do this nightly check on the Zombie Land area. Me and a group of guys decided to just be permanent on that detail to go do the checks every night. Because, hey, it beat burning other people's shit or digging holes to fill sandbags until your hands bled. Well, one night... We had went out with only three guys and we got to the area where we would always hear things, and one of the guys pushes back towards me and almost falls. I help him up to get his balance and he whispers he's seen a little face in the window of one of the abandoned buildings that looked like a little kid. I then signaled to rush the building and we and when we and when we did there was nothing except a little old soccer ball that had collected dust. We then started to hear little giggles and thuds like kids were running around us, but we couldn't see anything. We ended up going back and shutting down all the recons to that location. There was something there way worse than the enemy, and it loved to play games with all of us. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this story. Ooh, that one is freaky. Oh my gosh. My goodness okay first of all i couldn't do what soldiers do like they charge in every time they saw something or suspected that they saw something that kind of scared them you know they're like okay together let's go find out what it is (laughs) where my mentality would be like cool 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 they've claimed that building so we don't have to check it (laughs) that belongs to the ghost now (laughs) So, eventually that's what they did, but <laughs> gotta say, you guys are brave. Um, and on top of that, you know, you're in war, so you're expecting someone to shoot you anytime. So, I'm sure that's racking on the old nerves, too. But, I digress. Alright, let's get into another story. Alright, this one is about a Zoom ghost. My therapist told me that a few years ago she was chatting with a patient on Zoom or video chat. Whenever the patient said, Who is that standing there watching us? Kind of taken aback that someone was listening to their session. The therapist turned around and looked, and there was nothing. She lived alone. Uh, She asked, What do they look like, and where are they? You know, being kind of a skeptic, but also willing to accept you know, that there's more out there than we understand. She asked her, what do they look like? <laughs> the patient then said, in the doorway behind you, she is older, short, kind of bigger, short, spiky hair in the back, and she doesn't look too happy with us. The therapist said, um, I don't see them, but you did just describe my mother who passed away recently to a a T. The patient said, oh good, I'm not crazy. I just see, see these things sometimes. The therapist said she does believe in spiritual gifts, but whether it's a visual hallucination or a gift was for the patient to decide. But since it was her mom in it, she would lean towards spiritual gift over hallucination. Now when other patients bring up similar experiences, the therapist is able to relate and let them know the story That kind of sways her opinion now on visual hallucinations. Side note on visual hallucinations, I did talk to my therapist about it. um, And they said they are quite common um, when you're going to sleep to have visual or auditory hallucinations um, and not be like schizophrenic or something like that. Um, Even during the day. You can have it, but it's kind of the same opinion that this one had. Whether it's a hallucination or a spiritual gift, um, they really can't speculate for the observer. They want you to make your own decision on that. Um, And they said the qualifications for schizophrenia are are much higher (laughs) than just seeing a visual or auditory hallucination. So put all you clairvoyance on uh rest easy <laughs> our audience people rest easy you don't have schizophrenia <laughs> well i don't at least <laughs> all right let's get back into a listener story this one is called the little girl ghost all right scary story time it was july of 2005 I was on summer break, and I was a video game fanatic. Me and a friend decided to stay up all night playing a popular game called Halo. We would spend hours playing the campaign and multiplayer. So, one, we were up, and it was about 2 a.m. My father was gone for a month out of town for work, and my mother worked overnight, so we were alone. Crazed off of soda pop, and hot Cheetos, (laughs) we were deep into the game, when suddenly my friend tugs me and asks me, can I hear that? I stop and listen, thinking he was about to fart or something, and nothing. Well, he shook it off and we continued. About 15 minutes later, he shakes me again and tells me to listen. I pause the game and we stop. Sure enough, you can hear a little girl humming. So in my mind, I immediately think we left a TV on, or maybe one of my niece's toys were left over, so we decided to stop and check it out. We walk around and suddenly it stops. Both of us puzzled, we walk back towards the room and agree that it's probably just lack of sleep messing with us. We get back into the room and our game was turned off and the TV was on this blue screen. I looked at my friend and he's shaking like all the heat has left his body. I ask him what's wrong, and he just points in the direction of my mother's dark room that had been left open. In the distance, you can faintly see a little girl's outline, and the humming started again. We both ran into my room and shut the door and got on my bed. The little footsteps sounding like a girl skipping and these giggles would get closer and further during the time. Then after a while, it stopped. We both decided we would sit up until sunrise and then leave to sleep at his house. About 20 minutes passed, and all the noises had stopped, so we began to watch TV and pretend like nothing was going on until we heard some tapping again at the door. I sounded out yelling, Mom? to see if my mom had gotten off early, and also asked if maybe a sibling came over to check on us, but nothing. This little knock kept happening on and off for five minutes until finally we were a giggle and a sound a giggle, and a sound as if the footsteps were skipping away. We ended up hearing my mom come home a few hours later and ran to play outside until his parents came and picked us up. I'd seen this little girl several times in my life, and as creepy as these events were, I learned she just wanted to play or have attention like little kids do, but didn't understand she was not a real physical person. Out of all the spirits I've ever encountered, she was the one who was friendly and never wanted to harm us. Never wanted any harm to come to me or anyone. Creepy nonetheless. Those little hums and thuds from her little feet can really get your heart going. Ooh, that is crazy. Uh, one of my listeners let me know that this story, um, stories like this, always make them sad instead of scared, especially if it's an innocent little child. Um Although sometimes the demonic stories have them acting like little children, which isn't very cool. <laughs> All right. Let's see. little tidbit here. Dead Children's Playground is built in the middle of Maple Hill Cemetery in southeast Huntsville, Alabama. The voices of children giggling and calling out have been heard even though no children were around. Photos taken by visitors to the dead children's playground often show orbs of light that are felt to be these children's spirits. A lot of these manifestations and sightings between the hours of 10 p.m. and 3 a.m., which is admittedly much too late for any living child to be playing. Creepy. All right. Let's get to our next story. All right. The Landlord's Ghost. When I was younger, we lived in a little POS house in Texas. I'm assuming POS stands for piece of, but I could be wrong. So I'll read it as written. We lived in a little POS house in Texas. We had a little dog who was amazing and was so well trained that he never once had a problem with acting out or even barking at us. Well one day me and a friend were playing outside my house when no one else was home. Of course, with the imagination we had we were just we were out pretending to be Super Saiyans or something crazy like that. Anyway, after a while we got tired and decided to go in through the back door. It was just a screen door and that was it. My friend went through the open, went to open the door and my dog was literally growling and snarling at him like he was going to attack if he came in. So I came behind him and told him to stop. As soon as I tried to touch the door, he did the same thing and it upset me because I didn't understand why he was acting this way. So I eventually turned back to my friend and he was literally in shock with his pale face looking like all the color had left. He was shaking and pointing to a window in the back room where I looked, when I looked, we seen an old man with glasses in a suit staring through. We ran around the house to look from our front to see if someone had entered. The front door was still closed and there was no sign of anyone entering. I told him to stay and I ran back around to where there was nothing. Opened the screen door, and my dog was back to being so friendly and licking. We both walked around the house and never seen a sign of that man or anything. Anyway, fast forward a year or so, and our landlord came by one day to chat like she always did. She was an old, lonely lady, and we got to talking. Anyway, she's showing me pictures of her husband, and one picture that stood out, where he looked exactly like he did that day to me and my friend. We had seen him in our house. I asked her what happened, and she told me he had died of a heart attack in that house, in that room. I have so many of these stories that happened to me in that crazy house growing up. I will get around to sending more later. Very, very creepy. All right. One last one, and we will take a much-needed break. (laughs) This one is a spooky one, just letting you know in case there are small ears around. (laughs) This one is not one you want them to hear. This is called The Smiling One. So one night when I was in high school, my girlfriend was staying over with me while my parents were away for a few days. Anyway, we were hanging out in my room, having a good time, watching movies until we fell asleep. So anyway, fast forward a few hours, she wakes me up to go to the bathroom, and shakes me to give her some clothes that were on the side of the bed. Well, I'm half asleep, so I do, and fall back asleep. She comes back and shakes me and gets upset, saying, I thought you said everyone was gone. So I got up and told her I swore we were. My parents were gone to the casino, so they wouldn't be home for a few days. So I ask her, was she sure? And she said, yes, she could hear someone talking where my parents' room would be. So I got up all grumpy and walked towards the bathroom to check it out. And of course, she followed me like a shadow. So we were walking, and I knock on my parents' door and ask if they came back. We hear nothing. And I open the door, and like, I knew there was nothing. So anyway, I tell her she was probably just tired and hearing stuff. So we start walking down the hallway towards my room and suddenly you hear loud footsteps that sound like they are running. So I grab her arm and run to our room. I grab a baseball bat and tell her to get on the bed. Well a few minutes pass and nothing occurs. So I get the courage up because I didn't want to seem weak to this girl because she was way out of my league. So I made my way to the living room. The door was still locked and I heard the door closed really loud behind me and my girlfriend screeched. So I run towards the room and the door to the hallway that led to my room felt like someone was holding pressure on the door. The knob turned, but when I shouldered the door, it would just move a little and close again. So in my head, I think there's someone in my house about to murder my girlfriend. So I unlocked the front door and run around the house and knock on my window for her to unlock it. She jumps out, and we go towards my garage. So I hear loud thuds again, and I can hear my room door open. At this time, I'm pumped because I got to my garage where my dad had loaded a shotgun for hunting. I grabbed that bad boy and made my way back out to my girlfriend. I looked at the window, and she is literally standing dead still with tears pouring down her face. I shake her and ask her what's wrong, and she said, look at the window. So I look, and there's an old man who I have seen before just staring through my bedroom window, grinning, but it was, a demo- it was a demonic because his eyes were dark, so you could tell this was not a normal person. I grab her hand and tell her, let's go to the car. And she tells me it's locked and her keys are in the living room. So my mind immediately freezes when I realize I have to run through the house, grab the keys, and get out as fast as I could. So I tell her to yell if the man moves from my window, staring out. Well, anyway, I run, open the screen door in the back, and of course, as soon as I get to the kitchen, which is before the living room, I hear her scream. So I continue to the living room. I start to hear these footsteps, but my heart was beating so loud, I couldn't even tell which was which. I grabbed the keys and bolted towards the door, and as I was unlocking it, I felt this cold chill on my back. I opened the door, the front door, run out and looked back, and this man's face was standing there, just staring at me with this face that I can't even explain without words, but it scared the piss right out of me. I get to her car and we leave. And to this day, she will not talk to me or even discuss what happened that night. Sadly for me, it was just another day because I had experienced this too often in that demon-infested house. Ooh, that one was creepy. And he calls it the smiling one. Oh my goodness. So don't listen to that one right before you go to bed. All right, we'll take a short break and get right back into the spooky stories after this. All right, welcome back. So I'm going to read one of my own stories again about uh, the Bloodline uh, because it recently got some new comments and some new offshoot stories that people wrote in the comments. Um... So those were pretty neat. So I'm going to read through mine, and then I'll read through some of the meteor uh, comments. All right, the bloodline. We grew up in the South, which comes with a whole lot of superstition passed down between generations. My great-great-grandmother practiced white magic, and the family would use the family Bible as a conduit. My mom would get terrible nosebleeds as a child grandmother would read a passage of the Bible with the intention of stopping the nosebleed, and it would stop immediately. The Bible says that those who practice witchcraft, it follows families for three generations, and if you believe something, you give it power through your faith. This ability to see, to hear, to sense the spirit world was given to my grandmother, my mother, my sister, and me. As a child, this scared me to no end, seeing shadow people during heated arguments in our home. When I would tell my mom, she would tell me to hush and that I had an active imagination. When I got older, my mom brought, brought up the subject about what I was seeing, and she confessed she sees shadows, too, usually during arguments. She told me of our lineage. The house we grew up in was definitely haunted, stuff moving by itself. Shadows walking the halls, night terrors, but only in certain rooms. I know this was more than just the house. Because when I left that house, my experiences went from a lot, all the time, to one every now and then. All right, so that was my original story. Um, To speak more in depth on, you know, my mom seeing them, uh, one time, a long time ago... (laughs) to protect the innocent. Uh, Her and my dad were having a really awful fight with each other, just like verbally, just very mean. And she's in the middle of this argument and she sees movement behind my dad. And she sees the shadow cross across their open closet and go right behind my dad and then my dad ended up saying one of the meanest things he could possibly have said at that moment, which she realized was spiritual warfare happening. So she stopped playing. Like she was like, uh, I'm done. You're right. <laughs> like I'm not playing this game because this has more to do with other things than us. You know, it's just, you know, made my dad mad. <laughs> you will participate in this fight. Good times. Anyway, so I had a couple of people um, comment on on this story with similar stories, and then a few that were curious about using the Bible as a conduit. Uh, this person was curious about using the Bible as a conduit, and they asked if I had any books or verses. Unfortunately, due to our Christian heritage, <laughs> these things were not taught and not passed out. But this other person commented on here and said, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 6 in the Bible, my mama and mom and me have used this many times. And then they said, I just know that this is what my grandma used, but there are many cures in the Bible if you know where to look. So, just for curiosity's sake, let's say we look this verse up. I looked it up the other day, and it's something about you know, storing something. I don't know. Let's see what it says. All right. And the way it's worded, I can kind of see how it could be, you know. If we put intention behind these words, maybe. Maybe. Maybe like a purifying spell. I don't know. All right. The King James Bible. Because growing up Baptist, that was the only Bible. <laughs> and I'll read a couple other versions too. But this one says And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea. I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Ooh, that that feels powerful. I don't know. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Ooh, goodness. Like on the surface, it doesn't really make sense. But like, if you were having some kind of intention behind it and you're commanding it to like live, you know, at the end, that little cap, oof. Freaking. That, I mean, that could be. That's what this person put. Mm, let's see. Ch-ch-ch-ch. think it has to do with like a newborn or something I don't know the new international version says and I passed by and saw you kicking in your blood and you lay there in your blood and I said to you live so it sounds like a baby the English Standard Version says and when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood I said to you in your blood live I said to you in your blood, live. Oh, well, so, I mean, pretty repetitive, but still, kind of cool. I do not know, though, so I digress. That stuff was not passed down. <laughs> All right. So one person commented on the story and said, My mamaw had abilities to wish away warts. One of my cousin had three warts pop up on her hand during the summer of 63. We were both nine years old. She got used to them for almost a year. The next summer, we were at Mamaw's, and my cousin showed her the warts. They were on her hand. Mamaw told her she could get rid of them. For the next three days, and two, the two of them would be in the living room with my cousin on Mamaw's lap, holding her right hand and quietly murmuring a Bible passage. I don't know which one. The fourth day, my cousin woke up with no warts on her hand. It wasn't a scary feeling at all. We were almost giddy about it. And then I was telling this person about that story that my granny told me that's kind of similar. So I asked about her bloodline, and granny told me that her mom's daddy used to be known for getting rid of warts. My granny begged him to get rid of her warts if she she had it all over her hands, and he kept telling her no. Then one day he'd had enough and said, okay, if you stop bugging me, I'll remove them. He said some words my granny didn't know, and the next day her warts were gone. When my granny tried to ask him about it, about how, he reminded her that they had an agreement and she wasn't going to bug him about it. The family knew different gifts were passed down in the bloodline, and when my granny would ask anyone, she was hushed and told to just be thankful her warts were gone and not to tell anyone else. I don't know what it is about (laughs) wart magic, but kind of cool. Similar stories. I love seeing similar stories because, like, even if it's just, like, a rural, passed-down story or something... It's like it's almost like the lore of that area, or like that experience was like shared by multiple people that never met. you know. All right, this is the last one on this comment thread. It's a little religious, but if you can look past it, um, it's kind of cool. All right. Um, this person said, this is the exact my exact same life story. I've had yet to post my own experiences as it seems like it's too much to write. My great grandmother on my mother's side was a black witch. She was the top witch in California from the 1920s to the 1960s till her passing. On her deathbed, she called for her youngest granddaughter, which was my mom, and the family thought it was her last goodbye. No, my mom went to her and my great grandmother laid her hands on her head and chanted in a demonic tongue over her we now know she released her gifts and powers over to her the second she said her last word she gurgled and yelled out profanities at god and died cursing god my mother grew up from that moment on at the age of eight an angry child she was destructive mean vindictive hurtful foul mouthed and basically out of control She came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior at 18 years old and broke the generational curses. However, all my life I was told this and warned that the gifts were generational and passed to her firstborn daughter, which was me. I was prayed over constantly, as I, too, was too much and diagnosed at the age of four as hyperactive, having ADD before that was even a thing, and would tell people things I was seeing that they couldn't see. So I was a liar, basically. I could tell people what was going to happen, what their houses looked like, yet never having been there, knowing exactly who a person was the second upon meeting them. In the biblical context, gifts of insight, godly wisdom, gifts of prophecy, and godly discernment are what this is. But if I'm choosing not to glorify God and his kingdom with my gifts, I'm a psychic, a psychic medium, a clairvoyant, and a powerful witch. But I choose not to serve the devil. I don't care how powerful my gifts are. There's no reward in hell waiting for me except damnation. <laughs> All right. Um, and then she said, this comment is long, but your post hit a chord in me, and I felt I had to say we shared similar lineages well that's that's cool it was a little preachy but overall message received um because that is kind of what they talk about whenever you are growing up in like religious households is like um they do acknowledge these gifts but they're not widely talked about they're not talked about like superpowers they're not talked about like something oh my goodness that's so exciting that you have that Um, it's just quietly whispered about godly discernment. Intuition is, you know, discernment and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, just like she was saying, um, you know, the names are different whenever you grow up in a Christian household versus secular. Um, you're not a medium. You're, you know, being shown something by God. (laughs) Um, just different things like that. Um. But I digress. Still cool. (laughs) Still really, really like uh, stories like those. All right, let's take a short break and get back into some scary Stories. All right, welcome back. Alright, the next story comes to us from another group. Um, they called my mother. Not they called my mother. It's called my mother. <laughs> Alright, it begins. I grew up in a home with a mother who was a medium. She was a prolific automatic writer, held large group seances in our home. The whole nunyards. yards. I never had many of the overt experiences that the rest of my family had, but I always was afraid in that house at night. We had also, we also had a smoke detector that would go off in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 a.m. It was in the hall right between my brother and my bedrooms at the end of the hall. So it would scare the hell out of us when it sounded. I also had a remote-controlled toy on the top of my bookshelf fire up and begin walking around up there once in the middle of the night. My mother saw at least one apparition that she would admit to, and she and father had an experience with a demonic entity one night. Apparently, my brother, who was about five when we moved in, would have people come into his room at night and talk to him. When I was about 10, my parents decided that I was mature enough to babysit my brother on weekend nights, and they would go out. On one such night, I had to use the restroom. We were both downstairs, and the bathroom was in the middle of the house with no windows. I was in there taking care of business, door locked, when my brother came to the door whining for me to let him in, saying there was something in there with him. I, of course, refused. He remained by the door whining for me to open it. Suddenly, he screeched, saying all the lights in the house had just gone out, even though the lights in the bathroom were lit as normal. He began crying, and I just dismissed him as being a big baby. He was yelling that he was in the dark and was scared, and I yelled, "'Call the dog to you, dummy!' I guess he did, but he was still scared. Finally, he let out a blood-curdling scream. "'There's a hand!' I was unmoved, mocking him for being such a big baby. I finally got done and opened the door to find him cowering next to the door, still crying. The lights were on. He claimed they had just come on right before I unlocked the door. He said a white hand had grabbed him on the shoulder from behind. I believed none of it. Years later, as adults, with a number of years of intervening paranormal experiences for both of us, I asked him about this incident. He confirmed that it had indeed happened. I apologize because as an adult, I feel like, like crap, knowing I left him locked out there and it was real. Ooh, that one was scary. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, because I was that little kid that would like scream and knock on the door for people to like let me in and come be safe with them, you know? So I feel for the kid. Um, I've blocked most of that out, but still gives me goosebumps. I got little goosies all over my arm (laughs) as I'm telling the story. So pretty freaky. Definitely feel for you. I don't know. I'm not saying you have to believe every child every time they say there's a monster in their closet. But like, judge the reaction. Like, how does the kid normally act? And then how are they acting at this moment? Is it normal? Just like... I had a bad dream scared or is it like something is going to eat my soul scared because <laughs> if it's the latter i don't know maybe let them sleep with you or turn on their light and check everything i don't know but yeah that that's ugh, i did not like that part that was like there's a hand <laughs> so yeah um Let's keep going. Let us keep on checking. All right. The first time I've come in contact with the spirit and knew they were real, I was attending the Job Corps Center that I had numerous experiences there. So for starters, our building was one story with a little attic above. I don't know what they used to store up there. But every other night, I heard something, someone running above me. It was multiple feet running back and forth, and when I brought it up to my RA's attention, she told me she noticed a few paranormal things going on as well. My second run-in was when I decided to switch dorms, dorm rooms. When I moved out of my four-bed dorm room, I felt a shift in vibe, something I cannot explain. I got a two-bed dorm room all to myself. It was always cold, and up until then, Up until I moved in there, I had to sleep with the TV on. felt like someone was watching me. I slept with my bathroom door closed and my TV loud. Something about that room sent chills up my entire spine. My third experience was after I moved out of that room. I was studying for my CPT, phlebotomy tech cert. We have one door, and you would have to pass me in order to head to the bathroom. The roommate came in. I heard the door open and shut. She made her way to the bathroom. After 10 minutes of having to use the bathroom, I called out her name numerous times, went to knock on the bathroom door. When I opened it, she wasn't there. Later that day, I asked if she ever came to the dorm, and she told me no. She was off campus with her boyfriend. Ooh, freaky. Ooh, here's a little meme that's been going around. Cats do not sleep in the way we think they do. The truth is, cats are interdimensional beings and regularly visit places we cannot. Their eyes are also capable of detecting wavelengths of light that we cannot pick up, enabling them to see energies, spirits, elementals, and more. The same way dogs are our guardians in the physical world, cats are our protectors in the energy world. This is why cats were regarded as sacred in ancient Egypt. Don't know how much of that is true or just made up for this meme. But it sounds cool. As a person that's grown up with dogs and feels very safe in the presence of a dog, <laughs> um, I can confirm that they are definitely our guardians in the physical world. Um, I'm telling you, if if you got one of your children and they're a sensitive Like, they they see things you can't. (laughs) Get them a dog. It'll help them sleep at night. (laughs) All right. Let's go on to another story. All right. The last two stories I told were of me working at a correctional facility. I've worked at and still do. But this one happened after I got home from my shift around midnight. We lived in an old PMQ, which is private military quarters, after CFB, Chilliwack, closed. And they opened up them to government workers to rent fairly cheaply. I had settled into the living room to have some downtime after work and watch a little TV before going to bed. My son had left some of his toys on the floor by the TV, one of which was a superhero Jeep that had for characters that sat in it and when you push down on them they would shout out a catchphrase and the jeep would beep and drive across the floor the superheroes were captain america spider-man iron man and the hulk when i was watching tv sipping on a well-deserved whiskey when all of a sudden i hear hulk strong the jeep beeps twice and zooms across the living room floor scared the ever-loving sh out of me I sat there for a few seconds looking at the Jeep and thought to myself, I wonder if it was left on. I got up and checked. Nope, it was off. I pushed down on the Hulk and nothing. I laughed to myself and went back to relaxing. Of note, in this old house, my son, who was very young, would laugh and wave at something in the corner of the living room. And every once in a while, you would smell pipe smoke in the kitchen. I guess some of the soldiers who lived in these military quarters stuck around. Ooh, very cool, very cool. All right. This one is really freaky. Um, I feel like I have similar experiences um, to this story um, because whenever I was reading it, <laughs> like I started to remember some of my own. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't want to remember that. So, all right, let me begin. When I was a young boy, before and up to about age three, I repeatedly saw two men on my family's rear porch who only appeared during periods of rain. There were two old wooden chairs my dad had placed out on the outer, two outer corners of the porch, and both were painted green. When the rain would come, I would look out the window and see men, see both men. They were normal sized, but they were solidly green in color, head to toe, clothing included. They both wore pinstripe suits. They also wore straw hats, also green, which I described as vaudevillain in appearance. They both also had canes and would sit in each chair bolt upright with both hands resting atop their canes. They were motionless and either had eyes closed or their eyes were also solidly green. Their faces also had a texture as if it were carved by a sculptor from green clay. I was creeped out by their appearance, but I didn't feel anything overly threatening about them. They gradually faded away as I got older. However, another curious factor... There was an apartment building along the way on the drive to my grandmother's house which I remembered having stained glass windows on each side of the entryway in a cross-hatched diamond pattern which I habitually told my parents was where the rainmen lived. Recently, in the past year or two, my younger brother has also admitted to seeing the rainmen as a child. Ooh, very very creepy. Um, let's see. That one I don't like. I just, I don't. (laughs) Um, because the eyes, I'd never like anything where the eyes are blank or a solid color. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do one more. This one is The Shadow. I didn't know what it's called until much later. I was living in a house in Laguna Beach that had been there since the 1920s. In its history, it had been a speakeasy, a brothel, and a house for smuggling illegal immigrants. One day, my new wife and I were having an argument. I can't even recall what it was about. She walked down the block to get a cup of coffee and cool off, and I was alone in the house. The way the place was built was incredibly haphazard. There was a bedroom and a living room on one side, then a bathroom with two entrances on the other. On the other side of the bathroom was a hallway that had windows in one side and two bedrooms on the other. From my bedroom, I could look across the hall into the bathroom and then through the bathroom down the other hall, I was standing at my dresser and I just noticed movement out of the corner of my eye and looked down there. There was, honest to God, This gives me goosebumps, and I'm just typing it. 17 years later. A black figure. It was maybe 3 feet tall, and was only vaguely humanoid. It looked like black scribbles, like someone had scribbled a human shape, but the scribbles moved, like electricity arcing. That's the best way to describe it. There was no sound that I could remember. I distinctly remember when... I saw it. I wasn't afraid. Just like, what the crap? Then I noticed. Then it noticed me, looking at it. I can't say it turned around. It just focused on me, I guess. Then I was scared. I didn't move. Didn't scream. Nothing. I was just frozen. Because it just came at me. It rushed down the hall towards me. I have no idea what it intended. But as soon as it entered the bathroom, the door closest to me just slammed shut on it. I screamed. I yelled for my wife. She wasn't home. I went outside into the daylight and didn't go back into, till she got home about 10 minutes later. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe I saw something supernatural. But I know I saw something. And I definitely don't know what it was. Um... I mean, I think you might believe in the supernatural a little bit after that experience. <laughs> I know I certainly would. Um, but very cool story, very cool story. Um, let's see Let's see. All right. This is another submitted story. When I was eight years old my family lived in Stafford, Texas. It was a relatively small city compared to others around Houston but it was what we called home. In early September of 2008, Hurricane Ike hit our area. I remembered it very clearly all these years later. Rain pounded against our boarded windows and the electricity was out so the wind rocking the house was clear and eerie. With there being no electricity, my parents had unplugged all of the lamps and electronics in our home, and I was aware of this. It never made any difference to me then, but looking back I can see how terrified I was, and how little logic the experience made. I woke up that night to the sound of a lamp clicking on and off. The only one I had in my room was a clip-on lamp that was clamped to the top of my bunk bed and pointed at the center of the room. I loved it as a child of eight because it reminded me of the Pixar lamp in all of my favorite movies. But that night it served as a source of my terror. I wasn't afraid of the storm itself. I quite enjoyed the sounds of the palm trees tapping against the boards nailed on my bedroom window. But I could definitely distinguish the difference between a tree tapping on wood and the metallic sound of a lamp clicking. At the time, my little sister was only two years old, still sleeping in a toddler bed across the room. At this point, however, she wasn't with me in the room, we shared, as our parents had been holding her and comforting her during the storm. Aww, I guess she wasn't the favorite. It was all strange to me, as it happened because she was so small and just developing reasoning needed to know that when you rotate the dial on a light, it should turn on. It was at the top of a bunk bed, and I was alone. And I could hear both sounds of the lamp and the tree outside at the same time. Eventually it stopped, but the tapping at my window did not as the storm raged on. I remember getting up, climbing down my bunk bed so fast, to find my family in the living room, sitting quietly. They told me they had been there for hours. It never made sense to me, but for years after, I told my parents the Lamp Man visited on multiple occasions. Creepy, right? Mm, I don't like when you name them. (laughs) No, thank you. Mm -mm. Nope. All right. We will take a short break and be right back. all right welcome back all right to close out today's episode i am going to tell you about kind of one of those heartfelt stories um again it is one that uh, affects our family um, because it actually comes from my mother All right. As we've already discussed in previous episodes, my mother is a sensitive, um, definitely clairvoyant, definitely knows things that, you know, she has never been told. (laughs) Beyond pattern recognition, she can just know if a person is good or bad. Um, And then the person she tells us to stay away from ends up proving her right (laughs) in a very horrible way, usually. Um, but yeah, she's always had this intuition and this like sensitivity to stuff. And again, it goes into play with our bloodline and all that, that I've mentioned earlier. So my mom was helping, um, one of her best friends, you know, deal with the passing of her husband and this husband had cancer, you know, and so she was there for the last few days, you know, as he, was passing at home you know nothing more to do kind of thing the hospice nurse you know came and went um just to make sure he was relatively comfortable um at this point he wasn't really talking or responding um he was sleeping a lot um as you know people do as they're you know after battling that awful disease and like you know you're you're dying you're pretty much you have days left kind of thing so anyway um one of the crazy things that like hospice people know and nurses and stuff know is um her friend was you know holding his hand and you know patting his hand and rubbing his hand and just you know just wanting him to know that she was there Know he wasn't alone. And the hospice nurse told her, like, Hey, if you will stop touching him and holding his hand, he will pass. Um, which sounds horrible. Like, why would you want to stop holding his hand kind of thing? But it was a very sad situation. He was ready to go, he had fought a long, hard battle with this disease and so she did it was hard but she did she stopped holding his hand and sure enough he passed Um, so they called you know the coroner to come you know them get the body and all that kind of stuff and after all that was said and done it was just like you know they hadn't slept in days my mom and her friend um, so they were they were so tired. So they were all cried out for the night. Um, her best friend went and slept, you know, in, in her bed that she used to share with her husband. And my mom slept on the couch. And as I've said, my mom is really sensitive to stuff. And of course, all members of the story are Christian. Very strong beliefs in that. And my mom wakes up from dozing and I mean, she hasn't slept in days, so she's tired, but like suddenly she hears his voice and he's not sad. He's laughing and he's going, wow. Wow. It's all real. I can't believe it's all real. Wow, this is beautiful." And of course, you know, and it was his voice, it was clear as as if he were in the room with my mom. And she kind of, you know, she stored that away as something that happens and she wasn't going to tell anybody, you know. Because honestly, if she had went and told her friend at that moment, it it probably would have been bad timing. Um, There's the point of like, people might not believe you even though you're close, and they think you wouldn't lie to them, kind of thing. So my mom just kept it to herself. You know, it's it's a thing that happened that kind of like made her excited a little bit, just because it's like, um, whether it was paradise or heaven or whatever it was, it was a good thing and it was confirmed by him after he died you know just laughing and saying i can't believe it's all real i can't believe this this is awesome kind of thing so my mom was intent on keeping that to herself and about a year later um, her friend was really struggling and she kind of brought it up you know as people that are sensitive and see things that other people haven't experienced generally do, um, they'll kind of like throw something out there and see if you pick it up or if you're like, no, that never happens. (laughs) Tell us if, you know, we can tell you the story or not. Um, But my mom eventually ended up telling her the story, and it it brought her friends so much peace and so much closure if you will, that I just think it's beautiful, and, like, I'm not super religious or anything like that, although my family is, but stuff like that, stories like that, they give me hope. Not that, like, Christianity is the way, but that there's something more, you know? Even seeing all the stuff I've seen with like spiritual stuff and spirits and stuff like that, trying to like make sense of shadow people and just like how they fit into the grand design, stuff like that. It's always going to be my search, you know, to find out how this stuff fits together. But I just felt like this story was like the most heartwarming, uh, wholesome thing I've ever heard, even though it involved someone's death, hearing that person excitedly, excitedly laughing and just so ecstatic and saying it's real I can't believe it's all real (laughs) it's all real this is awesome like that's cool like I don't know if he was reaching out to my mom to say that or if just in general he wanted to call back home and say guys it's real everything you hoped for is real so i don't know <laughs> i'm kind of in the boat with i 100 percent believe that that happened um how it fits in my own paradigm of what i believe i'm not sure <laughs> i really don't know it kind of makes me puzzled um But it does also give me hope at the same time so really cool story really cool story um you know my mom has other stories of like uh family members and stuff visiting her after they've passed um which like we talked about earlier could be called mediumship my mom would never claim that title though (laughs) she does not play with that stuff either um The few times I've had people appear right in front of me, I've wanted nothing to do with it. (laughs) Like I've been like, "Uh, what did I just see? And then they'll be gone. You know, not super wanting to see anything, (laughs) but sometimes people just appear. Um, But yeah, my mom was sleeping over at my grandpa Chapman's house. Um, once right after he passed and they were sleeping on the big king-sized bed that was, you know, uh, her father-in-law, Papa Chapman. And, you know, he had just passed. They were sleeping in there because they were visiting. And she woke up from a dead sleep because she felt like somebody was looking at her. And she looks over across the bed and My dad's right beside her and on the other side of my dad is papa Chapman, who's you know already been buried (laughs) and she just goes oh it's just you okay (laughs) and then lays back down and goes to sleep like oh cool you're just visiting i'm not gonna talk to you but cool it's just you i'm not scared of you (laughs) And she just goes back to sleep. But many, many of these stories, you know, these this is like heritage. It's like something that's not super talked about. And every now and then you might get one or two stories out of the previous generation. And I'm just like, I know it's out there. And I know people's perspectives are based on what they have experienced for themselves to say if something is real or not. Like, I've never seen the Loch Ness Monster, so maybe I won't believe if somebody says, hey, I saw the Loch Ness Monster one time, you know, because I've never seen something like that. Same thing with the spiritual stuff. Some people are more sensitive and have experienced and know and have seen, and there's a lot of skeptics out there who almost get mad because it's like you're spreading false hope that they want to believe, but they're kind of mad at you for trying to spread false hope kind of thing but I get it but from what I've seen and what my family has told me and what I've told them and just like crazy stuff crazy knowing (sighs) I just feel like as much as we can and that's why I love doing this podcast as much as we can I want to like make that those stories like known, you know, it's like some of these people, you know, back in the day, they knew as a family how to combat these things or how to make them stop or how to, you know, <laughs> deal with these things, but that stuff hasn't been passed down and it hasn't been talked about. Even now it's like pulling teeth to try and get my mom to open up and tell me a, spooky true story (laughs) Um, but I digress like very cool stuff thank you guys for submitting your stories again this was a fun episode for me Um, I thoroughly enjoyed a lot of your stories tonight and a lot of them gave me goosebumps so definitely keep them coming definitely definitely keep them coming with that being said Thank you guys for inviting your friends to the Facebook group "Paranormal Stories Spooky Shiz." is in parentheses. It's a Facebook group I started for this part for this podcast. Feel free to go on there, invite your friends, um, post your spooky stories yourself. Um, if you want to remain anonymous, which I, I totally understand, uh, feel free to message me your story, um, and I'll put it in one of our episodes. Or I've even had people message me their stories and ask me not to share. But it's still cool to get that verification or that like, not verification, but like confirmation of like, this story has happened to someone else, too, kind of thing. Like, we all have similar experiences once we start opening up about this stuff. So very, very cool. Very cool. Um, In other news, we are planning an excursion as a group, uh, to Waverly Hills Sanatorium uh, this spring or summer. Um, of course, dates are tentative right now, and you know those dates fill up quickly, and we're not in charge of any of it. So <laughs> that's what makes it great about just putting the invite out there. Um, I'm planning on going, looks like, tentatively April 17th. Um, But I will put a confirmed date on the Facebook page once I have decided and purchased my ticket. And then everybody that wants to purchase a ticket can through that website I put on the Facebook page. Um, That way everybody's responsible for their own kind of uh, money and all that. No no money has to switch hands. Uh, You're just paying the actual place, the actual haunted place that you're going um, and if it's just me and a bunch of strangers, I'll have just as much fun. But if it has a bunch of people that have listened to the podcast, that'll be even more fun. Um, all right. So until next time, I'll try to not space out my episodes as much as I did this one. There's a lot going on. <laughs> I think it was like a week and a half break, two week break or something. So I'll try to make more uh, within the next week or so. All right. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining the Facebook page and inviting your friends. Thank you for submitting your stories. And of course, stay spooky, my friends.